It's throw the flag. I don't need needles in my face. I'll deal with the forehead wrinkles. I'm cool with, with it. your hosts, Gooch. Uh, I'm looking at your nails, yeah, Willie. You got great nails. Yeah, I get the nails done. And Willie Ramirez. You are so well put together. I took a shower today, and I feel like just being around me is, is making you feel like you're getting more blackheads or something. Like, why do I have to feel bad? Because you're so well put together. On ESPN Las Vegas. You're making me feel insecure. Damn it. Once again, it's throw the flag. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, back here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island. Just pretty much doing our weekly show, wrap up in sports, and we're just going to be wrapping back and forth with one another. We like to keep it lighthearted. What's going on, Willie? Oh, man, we're out here. I'm back out here enjoying our time at the Treasure Island. Uh, was out here last night with Steve Cofield. Uh-huh. Back out here this morning with you. The T.I. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar and uh, NFL preseason, baby. I know. It's, 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 it's been a crazy week between the Raiders and then just trying to pay attention to what's going on in the news and the headlines and the this and the that. Deshaun Watson here. And, you know, last night, big news, Zach uh, Wilson, is he going to, you know, what happened? He got an injury. So, I mean, it's just nonstop. And it seems like ever since, really, the Raiders got eliminated in the Super or in the playoffs, it, the NFL, it just never sleeps. So now it's just like, it's like okay, just kind of every week, what's going to hit this, the draft, the combine, the whatever, blah, 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 OTAs. And then now all of a sudden, now now we're back. Right. And now we're out here at this great place. And, uh, yeah, week two of Throw the Flag. It does feel like the last four or five months are a blur for every sports fan. Right. It's like we go into this hibernation where we're like, okay, I, I love hockey and I love baseball. And basketball, it's fun. But then we're kind of waking up, coming into our own, really paying attention. And and that's the thing with, with the NFL coming back and with preseason, we've been dying for any real kind of news to break down. We love to watch the plays. We don't all this all the stuff that we talk about in the offseason is all speculation. We can finally watch what's going on with some of these NFL offenses and so and what these new coaches are bringing to the team. And even then when these new coaches are coming to coach a team, are they doing smoke and mirror plays just so they can throw off whoever's going to be playing them in week one? I mean, it's like there's such a chess match that's going on in the preseason that I think every NFL team is going to have a different approach to. Well, and here's the thing is this is, you know, there's three preseason games outside of Jacksonville and the Raiders. In, in past years, it was four. A long time ago, it used to be six. But now that they're down to three – I've been asking all week the question, you know, do they treat week one as week two from the past and give the starters a series or two? Do they wait till week two? When do you do the dress rehearsal? Then all of a sudden you have something like last night. Falcons lose Drake London. Not sure what's going on with him. Zach Wilson, this morning it came out that it looks like it's just a bone bruise. Thankfully, the ligaments are not torn. So, it, But the first thought was ACL. But it starts putting it in coaches minds oh man we need to change direction i'm not putting my guys out there like you know the chiefs they play first this morning uh chiefs and bears at 10 o'clock uh pacific panthers and commanders andy reed announced that he was going to give Mahomes a couple of starts or a couple you know a couple of series do they want to get him out there with schuster so but it's got to be in the back of your mind so now there's it, i don't know if they have time to do smoke and mirrors just be blunt let's go right are you going to play him or are you not what are you going to do the other thing that was brought up yesterday, uh, Mark, McKill- Mark McMillan was on the show. He's like, when you play not to get hurt, you're generally going to get hurt. You know, it's, it's, so you, you can't be apprehensive. You either got to go balls to the wall or not. It's one of those things where they tell pilots. They say, if you're getting ready to take off, 
and you're focused on this building that you're going to hit, most likely all of your attention is going to be on that building trying not to hit it. And because your attention's on it, you might clip it. Yeah. And that's basically what it is. You just kind of have to – that's what every NFL coach has to do because you've got to get these players a little bit of experience just so they don't hit week one where their energy levels are way too high and maybe they're just way too amped. This kind of gives these guys a chance to take a deep breath. Yep. And just ease themselves into it. So eight games in. Um, last night, your boys mm-hmm. down in Jacksonville. Um, wasn't sure what to expect. Deshaun, I believe he finished uh, one for three, one for five. Had one completion. Um, but they end up winning the game. Mm-hmm. Did you did you watch it? Have you watched any preseason? I When you watch a preseason, it's tough to watch real preseason because how much can you, as a fan – really break down what's going on. Now, if I were able to rewind the play and, and check out, like, what blocking formations that they're doing and what routes that are supposed to be run, then maybe I, I'm, I might have a little bit more fun with it. Maybe I might be able to break it down a little bit more. But as a fan, it's like it's just giving us a taste. Right. It's like one potato chip. You don't want just one potato chip. You want more. So because of this, there's always these overreactions. Like last night, People are like, oh, Deshaun Watson, he played really bad. Well, he did have a couple of drop passes. He did still display the pocket awareness, the ability to escape, extend plays. He still has all those talents. But Josh Dobbs, who was supposed to be their third-string quarterback, you might remember him out of when he was in Oregon years ago. He was the backup quarterback in uh, Pittsburgh when he got drafted. Now he's in Cleveland. He came out and played great. But because we're so ready to – just jump on a headline. People are already going, well, Josh Jobs looks good. Let him start. Forget right. about Jacoby Brissett, who was already the backup, which I don't think he should be playing in the first preseason game. I like the fact that they're they're letting him sit back, get an idea of what they're doing, watch the backup quarterbacks make the mistakes, and then it stays in the, the, the starter's head that this is what I should be doing, this is what I should not be doing. I, I always like it when they let quarterbacks ease into the system instead of just throwing them right into the fire. Speaking of going into the fire, last night here locally, got to give a shout-out to this local organization that has been putting on events. And I know our guy in the box today, Damon, was out there. Uh, Damon, where are you at? Tough Enough. You heard of Tough Enough? Mm-hmm. The amateur MMA? They, they, they put on a show last night. Now, I had – Now, t- are we talking about the Tough Enough with Butterbean back in the day? Is this the same Tough Enough? Damon, is this the same Tough Enough? Was Butterbean in this? Not a chance. No, he was not. No, you're thinking of something else. Okay, okay. But tough enough is explain the tough. Explain what tough enough is to Gooch, Demond, and to our listeners. Well, tough enough. It's an MMA promotion, so it's local. But there's a mix of amateur fights and professional fights on the card. So there you go. So last night there was a kid that was there that I know, and he actually has held pads for me. I wanted to. I wanted to do a different kind of cardio early uh, last year. Sometime it was. It was. It was during the winter. And uh, he held some pads for me, and I remember he was like, man, I can't wait till my next fight. And then something got canceled, but he was on last night. He won by unanimous decision, Miguel Salazar. Did you, do you happen to remember that one, Damon? And he won by unanimous. How'd he, how, I know, well, he won by unanimous, so he must have looked good. But how was the card overall? It was fun. Like, a few of those amateur fights, like those first couple, it's like, man, I could be out here doing what those guys are doing, where it's just – the skill level isn't that fun, but the skill level isn't that high, but you got guys that are just out there swinging. Yeah. But then, like, towards, like, the end of the main card, the action started to pick up. You had one guy basically call out the UFC. He said, somebody call somebody, get me to the UFC. He was now 6-0. and So nice. it's one of those when you're watching the guys that are not on the major league level yet where it's, I don't know the names, but I'm entertained. 
Well, yeah, because you're just watching guys put it all out there on the line. I mean, it just gives us all like, – it just fulfills all of our bloodlust, doesn't it? I mean, like these are the, these are the types of fights where – these guys are going, look, I have to make a highlight. Yeah. So every punch is trying to knock someone out. Right. Every punch. Well, the good thing is with DeMond is that it's stuff like this where it doesn't get a lot of notoriety. He's either going to tweet it out, he's going to talk about But also, you never know what he's going to talk about on his show, uh, The Fight Game. So make sure that you tune in. DeMond, does that, does that have a regular slot? When, when is the fight game? Uh, that's 12 to 1 every Thursday on 12.30 The Game, and you can also get the podcast after it's already aired. So there you go. Make sure you tune in. Last week I enjoyed the WWE talk on the fight game. So you know what else I enjoy? Ever since I was a kid, I'm wondering if you happen to enjoy this. Because I was listening to, early this morning, I was listening to Marty and McGee. Okay. They brought up a topic. So, Damon, you have that? Yes, I do. Check this out, Gooch. And, um, and one of the guys even brought a copy of the 1987 Sports Illustrated Swimsuit issue. So we're, we're, we're in full we're we're nostalgia mode. Stop, stop right there. Stop right there. We're 1987 Sports Illustrated Swimsuit issue. Uh, Elmick Pearson yeah. or Kathy Ireland? Elmickson is on the cover. I know it. It's also the one where Kathy Ireland is like swinging the baseball bat. So he said that, and he brought up the, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit issue. And... I don't know why, but it immediately just – I just my ears perked up, and I was just laughing because of the fact that they could remember years and covers. And I immediately just went in and typed in 1982, swimsuit cover, blah, 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 and sure enough, it was the one I was thinking of with Carol Alt. See, I think of – see, I, I'm what, maybe 10 years younger than you, right? I, my generation was the I mean, Tyra I'm, Banks. I, 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 dude, I was going to say my second favorite is the Tyra Banks yes. cover. Yes, yes, yes. There's a few things. There's a, there's always been like a few covers that always just kind of stand the test of time, and that always grab the attention. Now I don't know if we'll ever get back to that. By the way, like just because of the way we consume media back in the day, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition that was major. Yeah. Because there were. It's not like we had the internet. It's not like you could go on Instagram and see. Uh, you know, these guys could just fulfill their dopamine fixes. <laughs> yes. You know, you had to wait for it to get printed out. This once a year lifetime. And the, the best was the, the two, three weeks after it came out was reading the letters to the editor and how many people were, you know, I always got a kick of it. Even as a young kid, I got a kick out of the, the, pair, the moms, you know, cancel my subscription. I, this, I, this is not what I subscribe for. These are probably the same moms that took summer vacation their kids to the beach. Right. So, I mean. Yeah, what are you going to do? What's the difference? You're going to put a blindfold on your kid and get, get out there and get some sun. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that was always I, – because I, I always got Sports Illustrated. When I was a young kid, it was, a, it was my annual Christmas gift from my grandfather. And the big thing for me back then was posters, glossy posters. I had – my favorite one of all time was George Gervin sitting on ice blocks, and it was t- entitled The, the Ice Man. Man. Yeah. And then I had a Barry Sanders one, um, had a Cowboys one. Had different, but around each post or whatever sport was the glossy pictures. You'd cut them out from Sports Illustrated and tape them to the wall. And then once you got to junior high, you'd make the wood plaques with the glitter, with the, yeah. you'd router the, the words out and you'd glitter it. I miss those days. Let's see here. The posters I had, I had one, I had two Michael Jordan posters. And the funny thing is, is I was a huge Cavs fan, but it was like, I'm over here <laughs> putting the guy who has been vanquishing their hopes all throughout the 80s and 90s. But I had one 
of the Michael Jordan free throw dunk where he's cocking it back. It was just the perfect shot. And the other one was three Michael Jordan posters that you had to get from a Wheaties box, and then you uh, stacked them on top of one another, and it was pretty much a life-size poster of Michael Jordan and ended up being that. But you had to get three boxes of Wheaties to fulfill that. I, I think I was out of touch from posters and pictures once Michael Jordan came around. But we are coming back with Throw the Flag, the Gooch style, when we get back. And we got two great guests coming up later in the show. Throw the Flag with Willie and Gooch at TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. It's Throw the Flag on ESPN Las Vegas. Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, it's Throw the Flag. Willie Ramirez, Gooch, hanging out here, talking football. And this is the segment we like to call Throw the Flag. It's what the show is named after, and we're pretty much going to bring up some topics and see if they deserve to be reviewed, see if we need to be looking closer to the rules. I'm not 100% sure how to get into the topic. If we like it, we like it. If we don't, we don't. How about that? Just wanted to name it something clever. Now, First thing that we're jumping, first topic that we're going to cover here. So as we all know, our beloved Mark Davis, he loves his Las Vegas teams. He loves his Raiders. He loves his Aces. Well, they're going to be playing on the same day. There's an hour that separates the start time. Where's Mark going to go? Who's Mark going to show favoritism towards? Well, I don't think it's a matter of favoritism as much as it is common sense. So here's the deal. He was at the preseason opener, the, the most important preseason game for the Raiders this season, at, in Canton for the Hall of Fame game. This is the regular season finale where the Aces just beat the, the previous number one seed, the defending champion Chicago Sky. They're now both tied. or An Aces win or a Chicago loss tomorrow gives the Aces the overall number one seed. They're playing the Seattle Storm, which... Got the job done yesterday in locking up the four seed, which gives them home court advantage. It was important because Sue Bird is retiring. If they don't get that, there's a chance she never plays at home again. So because Seattle's wrapped that up, I have a feeling they're going to rest their their start. They're not gonna they're not gonna really put a lot into it. The Aces have more to lose than Seattle tomorrow. They have to win that game. The game starts at twelve. It's generally a two hour game. The Raiders start at 125. It, he's going to have a private car. They're going to—they don't go out through the garage like the fans. He's going to be able to go out the side door, shoot out the side of Manly Bay on the Frank Sinatra Drive, go across the bridge, and go in the back yeah. way. And and he's got a parking spot outside the Raiders locker room. You go over there and you get there by halftime of the Raiders game. Get up to the owners' box. All good. My solution is Mark Davis is a millionaire. Clone yourself, Mark. Be in both places at the same time. Use the science to your advantage. And plus, we love Mark. So I think Mark, if he's going to show a little bit of, if he's going to show some love, just show up for your aces. Let everybody know that you're there. We know you're going to make it to the Raiders eventually, but you standing in the stands, it gives us all hope. My story that I wanted to get to, though, is I think, is there something, what is the NFL's love affair with Marshawn Lynch? Why do we love Marshawn Lynch? What is it about his energy? It's that's just it. I was just gonna say it's his energy. It's his. Um, he's almost. You know what? It's like he's a cartoon character. Yes, he's a cartoon character that you just. 
good or bad, whatever he does, he's he's entertaining. And you know what I love about Marshawn, too, is like he is the same in the commercials as he is during an interview. It's like there is no separation where it's like, you know how some guys, you know, they'll, they'll like, oh, I got to put on my business suit. Let's just make sure that I answer everything in a monotone voice and talk like a real broadcaster. And then there's guys that talk like they're with their friends. And that's why right. we love Marshawn Lynch. Well, he ended up making a mistake. He ended up getting pulled. Well, he didn't get pulled over, but there was a car. The front end was wrecked. They were completely undrivable. And Marshawn, the, according to the police report, he smelled of alcohol. Marshawn is saying that he was not drinking. There was no drug use. But then he admitted to stealing the vehicle. That was classic. Yes. Why is it classic Marshawn Lynch? Because he's done it before, before he was even an NFL player. One of, the, one of those college football moments that we all remember was Marshawn Lynch driving around on the field after that bowl game. Yes, in, and, the, in, the, in the golf cart. Mm-hmm. Which just goes to show you that he is forever young. I don't think that you can – I mean, this is not a good – when you look at his face and you looked at that mugshot, you got one eye shut, the other one open. It's, it's really not a good look in general, regardless of who it is. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch or anyone else. Um it kind of just, you know, I saw somebody post a picture, shared it on Instagram, like like a, a post, shared a post to his story, and it was a caption with a link in that bio to the story, and it said, prayers for Marshawn Lynch, and I was a little taken aback, not because, okay, I get it, like, okay, is he losing control a little bit, is he out there, what's going on with him, but it was more so just, I, I don't know, I was trying to sort of decipher where he was going with that, but... I don't know if Marshawn Lynch necessarily has a drug or alcohol problem. I think he's just being Marshawn Lynch, but he just made a bad decision. Right. And thank God that nobody was injured. And that's always what ends up being the big catalyst. Or not. That's always what brings on a lot of blame, brings up a lot of the ear of the public, is when somebody gets hurt, thank God Marshawn Lynch was not doing something like that. Thank God nobody else got hurt. And again, it's Marshawn Lynch. He's gonna get forgiven. Right. He will get he will be forgiven. Just like we forgave Joe Namath. Remember when he was on Monday night, I really want to kiss you. It's yeah. like we forgave Joe. Right. So we're gonna forgive Marshawn as well. And uh the last one I wanted to touch up, and this is the thing, whenever there's a superstar that has this happen to him, it just boggles my mind. But I, I... So the Padre shortstop Fernando Titas was on the cover of MLB The Show. I mean, this guy is one of the top players in baseball. He just got suspended for 80 games for violating the MLB substance abuse policy, and he's not even fighting the rule. Usually these guys fight the rule, but he's not fighting the rule because he even admits to having the uh, the chemical cluster bowl in his system due to medication he was taking for ringworm. Mm. Okay. You could have just kept that information to yourself, but I kind of feel that this does need to be brought up. If he's taking medication for ringworm, number one, he's doing it for the team. You don't want there to be an outbreak of ringworm on the Padres. I think all of his teammates are like, hey, man, thank you for sacrificing 80 games so I don't have to deal with this itchy disaster. But it's like, at the same time, it's like you have to know you, you are an industry. You are a million-dollar industry. Why aren't you paying closer attention to the ingredients in some of these drugs that you're taking? Everything you put in your mouth needs to come with an explanation. Wouldn't you agree? 
There's no doubt about it. I have a close friend who um, played professional sports. He's retired, and he told me that there was only one – when he was playing, there was only one brand that the training staff, the, the, the entire franchise said, if you walk into a health food store, I don't, they didn't even care if it was multis. There's only one brand that you are allowed to buy that would be that, – that we're not worried about what's in their product. Outside of that, you have to run everything. You want to buy it, you cannot open it. Don't break the seal. You bring it to the staff so they can review everything or bring them the name of it. So at, at this day and age where we're at and with what baseball has been through, you absolutely, if you're treating yourself for something, you absolutely are checking. And let's, I'm throwing the flag. I mean, even if you that's what you were doing and you were treating, the reason you were using it was either because you were treating it but it you knew what it could do. Also, you used it saying, well, if you get caught, you can say that you were treating for this. And here's uh, – well, that's that's my take on it. And, and you know, because, well, you, you've definitely been in the, uh, the locker rooms and you know a lot of players, you know a lot of coaches firsthand. When somebody gives an explanation like this, how often is it honest? Like, how often is it coming from a place of honesty if you ask those guys? Like, what would, what would you think they would say? Do you think they would make an excuse for the player? Because I understand that players are not on the same level as you and I. There's only one person that I've covered. There's only one situation I've come across that I actually gave the, the player the benefit of the doubt, and I still do to this day, and that was Nate Schmidt the second year of the Golden Knights when he was suspended for whatever it was for X amount of games. can't remember what the number was. Um, he and I talked in the, in the press box in the back hallway uh, off the record, and we talked everything. And I understand it because being in the fitness industry with my son and knowing what's in some of those products, there are a lot – my son, he'll tell because he's a natural bodybuilder. And he's he's with the uh, the only and the, the largest natural bodybuilding organization, the only one that actually drug tests to compete. Now, when so, you're saying natural bodybuilder, what exactly? What why? What what's the difference between a natural bodybuilder and? Well, like Mr. Olympia that comes to the Orleans every single uh, year, they don't drug test. They they're all they're all on gear. Wow. So they you know it's it's understood because it's kind of like in baseball how how everyone's going. Well, if you would just say okay, either allow it so everyone's on the same playing field or put the asterisk there. They're going everyone's on the same playing field. Yeah, yeah. But in muscle mania, no. But Jordan tells his clients, you know, protein powders. They're a no no because you don't know what's in there. A lot of them, it's like seasonings. They 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 add fillers. Those fillers can be. They might be no good for you. They, you don't know when you scoop and you look at the nutrition facts, you don't know how much of those are breaking down because you're just scooping powder. You don't know how much is of each is what. and So for the most part, there's no telling what's in a lot of those products, whether they can be enhancements, and maybe not steroidal, but they could be other things. They could be uh, stimulants that's, that's banned. There's a lot of stimulants that are on those lists that are banned. So you absolutely 100%, if you were a million-dollar athlete, multi-million-dollar like Fernando Tatis, you take every product you're taking to your, to your uh, training staff. And if he comes back and says, oh, I did talk to them, and they said it was okay because it's for ringworm, then you need to have a talk with your training staff. Right. And, and I also want to know, too, I wish they would just give an example of what some of these substances would do. Like, is it a stimulant? Is it a muscle growth thing? It's like, what exactly would it do to the body? And I think that would help us 
as just fans, understand, like, why some of these things keep on happening, you know? Yeah, and they're not going to release – I I don't think that they're – well, he did release what, what, it, what it was, right? He said what he was on. Um, and, and with ringworm and those types of things, they're usually – there's topical steroids. Right. But, again – you have to know that. And if whoever's prescribing that to them has to know that they have a professional athlete that they're treating, hey, we're giving them, we're giving them something. We need to alert the team or we need to talk. They have to know. They have to know. I, I, I'm not buying the excuses of, well, yes, here, like it looks good on him that he was admitting it, but it was for this. Okay, well, then that means that your, your training staff, your team had to know that, it's not good. I remember one time Joe Hayden, cornerback for, well, he was of the Browns and the Steelers. I think he's a free agent now. But he actually got in trouble for having Ritalin for his attention deficit. Yeah. And he got in trouble. But then there were other players that were under that kind of prescription that did not get in trouble. So it's like sometimes, sometimes it's a case-by-case analysis, isn't it? No, I don't. Th- I don't believe so. Not not in terms of um, if it's banned, it's banned. Mm-hmm. It's ba- if it's banned, it's banned. I, um, there have been there have been people that have had ADHD, and so they're taking Adderall. That's a banned substance. It's not allowed. So prescription or not, if it's banned, it's banned. Mm-hmm. Period. When the when the when the leagues go through their list and make these bans, they don't go. Well, you can have this, but otherwise. There are steroids and testosterones that help for muscle for, for injury recovery. For instance, when Baltimore played San Francisco in the Super Bowl, uh, Ray Lewis treat was treating it was either a torn bicep or tricep. I can't remember now, but he was using deer antler. They really didn't hadn't discovered that this was a growth like a human growth hormone when you're using deer antler, and now it's banned. You know, they, there was there was a fine line there because they hadn't really brushed up against that. So. Tough, very tough, tough to uh, to sort of gauge. Right, and it's and it's also a tough pill to swallow, especially with us as fans. We're not millionaires, so we're wondering, hey, I can I can go to jail. I mean, I could go to work not on drugs. Can't you do the same thing? All right, we're going to be back with more. Throw the flag in just a little bit. We're going to be talking about the gambling segment. More on that in just a little bit. We'll see you for right here from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island. Throw the flag with Willie and Goo. It's throw the flag. It is cool. I, I did think about this. You know, Josh McDaniels being on the other sideline. My first time going out there as a head coach, one of my mentors, a guy that was one of the first people I became close with in this league as a young player. So it is neat to know that Josh will be on that other sideline and get to shake his hand before and after the game. Oh, yeah, you know who that is. Mm. We got we got Kevin O'Connell speaking. And in the background, we have the GOAT. The GOAT. Oh, yeah. Prince is my guy, man. When I lived in Minnesota for three and a half or two and a half years, we I lived like 10 minutes from Prince's house. I used to drive in through Chanhassen down Highway 101, and that was like a big kick. Hey, what do you want to do today? I don't know. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's drive by Prince's house. Okay. Just to do it. Yeah. Just to do it. It's a big purple house with black trim. So Whenever I hear Prince, I always think of Chris Rock going, you remember when we used to play the game, who was better, Michael Jackson or Prince? Well, Prince won. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, you know, who else is from Minnesota? Our next guest joining us from Minnesota. He covers the Minnesota Vikings. My AP brethren, Dave Campbell. He's going to talk some Vikings Raiders as they get ready for Sunday's game. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine, Willie. How are you? Doing good. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, so, 
We are ready for tomorrow's game. I don't know what the Vikings are bringing now that uh, we hear about Kirk Cousins, but we do know that both teams in their first season, Kevin O'Connell, Josh McDaniels, O'Connell called him a mentor. How has the response been for, you know, through training camp from the players in uh, with Kevin in place in his first year? Yeah, so it's it's a different vibe. Um it's sort of a, you know, it's a younger, kind of a little bit more modern uh, approach to team building and development. Um, you know, they brought a lot of the uh, secret sauce, so to speak, from the Rams, um, where they also got a pretty young, kind of forward-looking approach with Sean McVay, obviously. Um, they, they even hired away uh, Tyler Williams, who is sort of their main, you know, athletic trainer, sports science guy. Um, so that O'Connell and his staff pretty excited about having him here at the Vikings. And, um, it's, you know, it's a lot, I think it's a lot more process based and, um, you know, about repetition than, you know, grinding the guys into the ground. Although that's sort of a, a league wide and a trend anyway, in the last 10, 15 years. Um, but you don't hear much yelling. You, it's a lot more, um, you know, trying to get it right and not not worry about trying to prove a point. So it's it's definitely a it's definitely a different vibe from the way that Mike Zimmer and his tenure uh, wrapped up. He was certainly from a a different generation and a different style and even a different side of the ball. So um, O'Connell's talked a lot about trying to be intentional about spending time with the defense since he's never done that and trying to be you know sort of the the CEO overseer type while you know being careful not to be so caught up in the play calling and the uh you know dealing with the quarterback side of it that you know he loses sight of kind of the the overall um part of the team but he does have a a very uh well-respected and and experienced defensive coordinator and donatel that he can you know turn loose and um trust in a pretty a pretty effective scheme that a fair amount of teams have used over the years with that kind of Vic Fangio um, sort of coaching tree. Uh, So, Kirk Cousins, it just came down that he has COVID, and how is this going to affect the game plan for this week? Uh, Hardly at all. Um, We we couldn't get a straight answer about whether uh, they were going to play Cousins in the first place. Um it didn't sound like much more than a series or two, if at all. Um, they, um, so yeah. And the, regardless of who's playing and who's not, you know, the first preseason game, especially it, there's almost no game plan. Um, it, you know, they very much, uh, are sort of using that as just an extension of practice and, and a sort of valuable way to test a lot of the young players in, in a, a little bit more, um, you know, let's call it high stakes environment for them with another team and a crowd and, you know, being on TV and a little bit more pressure for, for them to perform as they sort of evaluate the, you know, kind of bottom of the roster spots. I mean, there's, there's a way to use it as continuity, um, you know, for getting the, you know, first team line continuing on the same page with the quarterback and, you know, receivers and all the, the chemistry that goes on with like, uh, offensive football or even defensive, but 
you know, these first few seasons games, especially even the second or third now, teams are, are really going to be um, cautious about keeping their starters out there for, for too long. And it's just the injury risk they're just not willing to take. We saw some of it last night. And because we got a new head coach in Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell, and you got Kirk Cousins, the relationship between the head coach and the quarterback is so valuable. And the fact that Kevin's got yeah. that offensive background. Have you heard any uh, any rumors or anything about how close that relationship is getting? I mean, does it feel like these guys are on the same page? It does. I would say it's always a work in progress. It's not like they're – lifelong buddies who can sort of like look at each other and know each other's thinking kind of thing. Well, Kevin's you know, younger than him. I mean, it's like he's younger than the quarterback. I, uh, well, not quite. He's a little, okay. he's a few years older, but Cousins is uh, going to be, so Cousins is 34 now. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's got him by two years, but it's still very young. It's certainly it's almost a decade younger than Tom Brady, right? It's that person right. in perspective. <laughs> yeah. um, but, so Cousins had O'Connell for one year as his quarterback's coach in Washington. Uh, so there's familiarity there, and even if it was only one full year actually getting to know the person, a lot of overlap in philosophy, um, you know, with what um, Cousins has, has sort of played under, because it was more than just O'Connell there. Was, there was, uh, you know, Sean McVay was there, and, uh, you know, so that is sort of transferred over to L.A., and uh, O'Connell is bringing pieces of that to be, you know, in the Vikings' office. But I would say this is about as, you know, kind of Cousins, this is probably his most ideal situation yet, you know, in his, in his NFL career. He's finally, he, it was clear he was never on this, truly on the same page with, with Zimmer. And that wasn't just a Cousins thing. As I think it was a Zimmer thing just as much. Um, defensive guy who always sort of never felt, good about how much uh, salary cap was invested into the quarterback position, knowing that that sort of like robbed the defense of some some uh, players too, where they had to make, make decisions and let certain guys go. So um, there, there is sort of a natural synergy with, with a former quarterback and the current quarterback. Um, I think, I think O'Connell's approach to of being, you know, just trying to create, player-friendly, quarterback-friendly of a system as he can, it, trying to put himself in, in the quarterback's shoes, remembering what you know, ways that he was asked to do something as a player which didn't necessarily seem doable. So he, he's, he's got it. He's a, it's, much more, it's much easier for O'Connell to sort of get into Cousins' mind and know how he's thinking and be able to sort of connect with him that way. I also think, well, uh, it comes down to how well he can actually call the plays himself on a game day when the lights are on and the pressure's up. However, there's certainly a lot of reason to think that this system that they will be sort of borrowing heavily from, um, from LA, you know, is, is one that can, can work well. And it's not like the cupboard is, is bare here. They don't have Cooper cup, but they certainly have a lot of um, players starting with Justin Jefferson that they, the Vikings can you and Con- O'Connell and cousins can use to, to their benefit to, to be a pretty, I think, pretty potent offense. Well, let me ask you this to, to feed off that. We got we got a little bit of time here. One more question for you. Um, speaking of receivers, the local listeners that have been around for a while would be interested in this. Former UNLV football star receiver and former NFL wideout Keenan McCardell is 
coaching Minnesota's yeah. wideouts. How has he been with the Vikings and, and with the receivers? Because I would imagine he's a good players coach. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate. Uh, I mean, here, here's what's, tell, what's the most telling answer to your question. He's the only assistant coach who has retained from the previous staff. So you know that he has made an impression if new staff comes in and wants to keep him. It's just fairly rare. Maybe maybe on average there's one per staff uh, when they turn over around the league, but usually they always want to bring in their own people. And so McCardell hit, wasn't here the whole time with, with Zimmer. It was only the last couple of years, but um, he made a good enough impression on, on Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and, and those guys that um, – very clearly, it was wise for them to, to retain him. I think players' coach is a pretty, pretty good example. Certainly, someone with the, the amount of catches and yards that Keenan has on his, you know, resume lends some sort of instant respect for these guys um, trying to play the position now. Um, but he's got a he's got a pretty good demeanor about him. I, you know, he's certainly a guy who will push someone like Jefferson to knowing how good he can be to, 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 you know, work on some of those small details and take his game to like an even higher level. But, but he's, um, you know, I think he's got kind of a chill enough personality about him too, where other players can kind of appreciate being around him on a regular basis. Right. And last year we heard Derek Carr compared to Matt Stafford. And now we're starting to hear these comparisons to Kirk Cousins. What do you think about that? What are the similarities between <laughs> Kirk Cousins and a Derek Carr? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess part of that's just um, the nature of the downtime that people have in the off season and the amount of uh, media we have covering the league. That uh, got out there one time. I think somebody somebody on some show said one thing like, "I wouldn't trade." Car for Cousins, and then it became a talking point on the internet for a day or two because there's nothing else going on in the league. And then, right. and now there it is. Now it's entrenched in our minds. They're sort of like in the same category. I think you could certainly um, see some similarities as far as you know they're kind of being in that rough tier of guys who haven't won a Super Bowl, who who aren't league MVP guys who have, there have been some questions here and there about you know is it wise for their teams to continue to make them their franchise quarterback but also have been you know that kind of a one of both onto it maybe a lower lower ceiling than the the elite guys especially the younger ones in the league like Mahomes and the Herbert and 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 Burrows and those guys but a much 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 higher floor than a lot of the, you know, the say bottom half of the league, if you're in a rank one to 32. And so I think probably maybe I would say similar that they're kind of guys who, who give you that sort of tease or have that potential, like that they could still have a better season yet than that we've seen, but we're also totally not sure if, you know, if they're like would be that quarterback to be the driver of a, of a Super Bowl team. Um, they both they've both been around. They both been cousins been in the league a couple years longer in car, but he didn't become a, a starter until 2015. So, you know, roughly it's uh, the same sort of amount of um, sample size that we've got on both of them 
and uh, you know been durable and um, you know they're like good guy type guys that you know that don't give you much like reason to or give people reason to like really um, turn on but they're also I think maybe you could see some similarities where they've they've had games or they've left stuff on the table so to speak and they have um, you know also you know let let their fans or teams down here and there and so they're still kind of still find themselves wanting a little bit more from both of them yeah they could be anywhere between top 15 and top eight it's like those guys, yeah. those two, those yeah. two guys. They always have their, there's that that gray area. Dave, I appreciate yep. you coming on and joining us. We 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 probably won't get that much of a sample size tomorrow. Well, we might see Carr. We definitely won't see Cousins, who came down with COVID. But we did get some insight from Dave Campbell up in Minnesota. Dave, I appreciate you coming on today and joining us on Throw the Flag. Yeah, sure thing, man. All right. Sure. Once again, Dave Campbell, AP writer out of Minneapolis, covers the Vikings, taking care of us. We are coming back for our gambling segment, Gooch's Pick of the Week, my Pick of the Week. We are at Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Get down here. We got a ton of tickets for an upcoming uh, for the Front Row Card Show. We got a concert for some tickets. We got some Las Vegas lights. We got some Las Vegas Aces t-shirts. So if you're going to the Aces instead of the Raiders tomorrow, get down here, get some t-shirts. Free parking, great food, great drinks, sportsbook, Treasure Island, Gooch and Willie. We'll be back with the gambling segment. Before I ever ran a casino or got myself blown up, Ace Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. I'm serious. I had it down so cold. Uh, yeah, welcome back. Throw the flag. Little taste of the OJs for the love of money. Preceded, of course, by Casino, Robert De Niro, shot right here in Las Vegas. We are live, Gooch and Willie. Throw the flag, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island. We've got plenty of giveaways, so get down here. And it is time for our gambling segment, which we are going to, at the end of the 9 o'clock hour every week, give you our pick of the week. Gooch's lock of the week, <laughs> the baby. Lock. My preseason lock. Preseason lock <laughs> of the week. It's not the lock of the year yet because we got three weeks, so we don't want to we don't want to jump in too deep. You could always give out a, a like an AFC game of the month, right? Because they're all in in August, so it, it wouldn't be outlandish for you at the beginning of August to give out your AFC game of the month, NFC game of the month, total of the month, first half total of the month, right? There's a, there a lot of different locks. Yes, I'm just gonna go with one week. Okay. Okay. I'm just gonna go with this week's game. All right. Okay. I kind of like the Panthers over the Commanders. Okay. Only because this is the that starts in nine minutes. So yes. Get your this apps is, out. Right. <laughs> Jump on it. The only reason why I'm going with the Panthers is because this is just the kind of game mm. that Baker Mayfield will take advantage of. He's only got probably going to have maybe three series because he is starting this, and these are the type of games where he comes out and gets us thinking that oh he was worth the number number one overall pick because you don't know what kind of game plan they're going to set up for him. So okay. he's going to keep you guessing. So I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to play well in his first preseason game with the Panthers. And then, you know, the command. And, it, and again, after that, it's like you, you really don't know. After that first season, after his first three or four seasons, it's like how is the rest of this game going to go? Because who's going to be – who's even going to be playing on the team that's going to be with the team at the start of the season? So it's like there's just so many question marks when it comes to preseason. It's it's fun. It's fun sure. to talk about. Yeah. But I, liked, I like I uh, like the Panthers – 
And plus two, they're also getting the points, two and a half. So two and a half here at the Treasure Island Sportsbook and Bar. Now here's where I'm going. You ready for this one? Mm. I am going to take at four o'clock today, Seahawks and Steelers, currently at the Treasure Island Sportsbook, 19 and a half in the first half. I like it over. Mm. Because you have to remember these are two teams that parted ways with the legendary quarterbacks of their era for those franchises. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson, right? He's now with Denver. Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger is retired. You got, and it's like the guys that are vying for starting roles, they've got NFL experience. So when you talk about week one, week two, who's playing, these are guys that have played in the NFL. The Seahawks, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Pittsburgh, Trubisky starting, Rudolph behind, and then the rookie Kenny Pickett. The first four guys there, right, the two for Seattle, the two for Pittsburgh, they're going to come out blazing. Geno Smith saw time. He played here last year when when, uh, Seattle visited uh, Vegas. So these are guys that are going to be looking to light the skies. 19 and a half is not – you're looking for three touchdowns. That's it, three total, two by one, one by the other, however it works out. I like Seattle-Pittsburgh to go over the posted total with some veteran quarterbacks trying to make a starting role. With two offenses, they're, they're trying to make a statement immediately off the movement of two quarterbacks, one retired, one now traded to Denver. So that's my pick of the week is Seattle-Pittsburgh over in the first half. The only thing that scares me about that is we are putting a lot of money on Geno Smith and Drew Locke to put up points. Just like you said, I do agree with, yes, they are going to be motivated because those two guys are in a battle right now. Let me interject. I'm not putting my – I brought those names up, but you know who I'm putting that money on? Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin. Okay. Two guys that they don't like to lose. No. Those are two two guys. Their reputations are at stake here. Those are guys that, you know, they want to – and I would never, ever, because Tomlin – might be my favorite. I don't know. Dan Campbell is making a real charge at being my favorite coach, but Mike Tomlin has long been my favorite coach. I would, I would love if Dallas could steal him, but it ain't going to happen. This is one of those years where it's kind of, I feel like it's make or break because, you know, in my lifetime, there's only been three Steelers coaches, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin. But it's kind of like, okay, what's he going to do now that Roethlisberger, I think he's got to come out and he's making a I think he's going to have these guys fired up. And the same with Carroll. You got to – there was some – I don't – there was a lot of strife there. And I think that he's got to prove that, hey, I know what I was doing in sort of pushing and ushering and helping Russell Wilson to Denver. You are right about that because my, both of them have Super Bowl experience. Both of them have a ring. And yep. both of them have a loss That's in right. the Super Bowl. Yep. And Mike Tomlin, to me – Seattle's lost one of their losses coming to Pittsburgh. Yes, yes. And the one thing with, with Mike Tomlin is the first Super Bowl that he got, a lot of people gave Cower a lot of credit because he, that was the team that he built. But look at the career that he's had since then. And then also look at the games. Yeah. Look at the win-loss percentage of the Pittsburgh Steelers when Ben Roethlisberger was not in. There's, it's still Pretty amazing yes. because he has managed to keep that team intact. The defense is always good with Mike Tomlin. And Pete Carroll, again, it's one of those same situations where when he came to the Seahawks, the defense, well, he had the Legion of Boom. Russell Wilson in his rookie year molded him into being the superstar that he is. And now the, both those guys, 
both the quarterbacks that they rode all the way to that all that success, they're not with them anymore. So this is going to be exciting. All right, so there you have it, the two picks. Gooch's pick of the week, Panthers, my pick, Steelers, Seahawks, over in the first half. When we come back, we are talking Raiders. Throw the flag at Golden Circle, T.I. Sportsbook and Bar. You know what that music means. Throw the flag live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook over here at the Treasure Island. Willie Ramirez, your buddy Gooch, get ready to talk some Raider football. I love I love it. I remember years ago when we were just talking about Raiders, and it was always – and it still hasn't sunk in that we have them. It still hasn't sunk in, and every time I get to say Las Vegas Raiders, I'm happy. It's wild. You know, Steve and I were talking about this last night. The two teams that you in the NFL that you either love or hate are the Dallas Cowboys and the Raiders from Oakland to L.A. to Oakland to Las Vegas, hands down. Here's the weird thing. I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys since 1976. I've never hated the Raiders. I've never disliked them. Now, I don't know if it's because the first ever Pop Warner football team, I only got to play on two, was the Raiders. But I've never really disliked them. Now I cover them. I'm, I'm objective, so I'm not a fan of them. Uh, but, you know, it's it's for my town, as, a, as someone who's been here since 1972, Used to drive by where where Luxor, Mandalay, Allegiant would drive by that. It was all desert back in the day. It's exciting for my town. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I love being able to go to a, uh, like an Albertsons or something and the checker will be, yes. you know, you're wearing a Raiders shirt and then there's some 70-year-old lady who's checking in your groceries like, our car looks good this season. You're like, I know, right, lady? Give me or, a high five. Yeah, or the Smiths that I go to, there's a whole aisle of Raiders and Golden Knights stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, we didn't have that. We didn't have that kind of camaraderie. I'll tell you a quick, quick, quick little anecdote here. So when I used to go to the convention center rotunda to watch the Running Rebels, back then it was rare, but occasionally they'd play a Georgetown or or a you know big opponent, and it would be on CBS. Brent Musburger worked for CBS. He was, and I used to watch him every Sunday, NFL Today, and Brian Gumble on NBC. One day, Brian, uh, Brent Musburger is walking out of the rotunda and there was a, a tabloid called sports forum, which eventually was called gaming today. And I, there was, they be in racks. So I grabbed one. I said, Mr. Musburger, can I get your, so I watch you every Sunday. He goes, Oh, what's your favorite football team? I went through the whole explanation of, well, I play Pop Warner football for the Jubilation Raiders, but my favorite team is the Cowboys. <laughs> Musburger's like, wrap it up, kid. Yeah. yeah, so he signs it. Dear William, best wishes. The Oakland Raiders are a great team. Best wishes, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Brent Musburger. Saved it. Still got the original autograph book that I had that my mom gave me back in 1977, whatever it was. It's amazing. Uh, what's even more amazing is that the first Monday night football game at Allegiant Stadium, I'm on press row and Brent Musburger is calling the Raiders game on radio, and here we are, media colleagues. You manifested it. You yep. manifested it happening, dude. How great is that? So, I love it. So we're so tomorrow, the Raiders and the Vikings, I believe it's the lone game on Sunday. Raiders here at Treasure Island, minus 3.5, total of 33.5. Um, Wayne Newton singing the national anthem. There's Vegas all over it. I hope his face doesn't crack. Um, but <laughs> that's one thing I do love that the Raiders have done, though. They've, they've taken the history of the Raiders, and because of things like this, 
They're throwing in the history of Las Vegas. Sure. They're mixing yeah. it, yeah. and it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. There, you know, there's there's going to be. I, I I'm waiting to see. There's going to be like last year, right? We saw Chris Angel dangle from the from the rafters. Um, so I mean, yeah, they've definitely embraced. They've embraced a lot of things. Um, some to the disliking of 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 some people, just in general, or movements. You know, Steve Wynn lighting the the torch. Of course, there was a women's group that didn't like that, and that's understandable. But Mark Davis is, you know, what he's doing is he's standing on his platforms across the board. You know, whether it's minorities, whether it's women, whether it's bringing, you know, embracing Las Vegas and, and with with this historic franchise, whatever it is, he is standing on his own two feet, and he's really become a staple mark in this town. And and sort of a – he's not just a, a players and a coach's owner. He is a fan's owner. As we talked earlier, I mean, when it comes to Las Vegas Aces, that dude is courtside in his seat cheering, yelling. He's yelling across the court at Becky Hammond. It's fantastic. He will stop and take a picture with anybody. Yes. He really has become – I don't want to say the new Mr. Vegas, but he he, he maybe the Duke of Vegas. I don't know. I don't know, man. He's uh the uh, he's he, what he's definitely become is an ambassador, right? So it'll be interesting to see tomorrow what what the game plan is of Josh McDaniels. This is game two in week one for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I don't know if we're going to see Derek Carr. It's possible we may see him for one series. I'd like to see him get in there and maybe throw one deep to Devontae Adams. Um, you know, and he, he spoke this week uh, to the media during his availability. And somebody asked him, you know, if he could describe the season in one word. One word? <laughs> fun. <laughs> Hopefully fun, you know. You know, football is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be competitive and all those things. But I just want to go out there and have fun with my teammates. Hopefully we can go out there and win some games. That makes it a lot more fun, um, if, if I'm honest. But I'm not getting into competitive champion. Like, I'm I just want to have fun, and trust me, the work will be done to hopefully you know, do whatever we can do to win football games. Now, I know that sounds like a stock answer, but it's true. It is. If you are not enjoying what you're doing, you're going to suck at it, and, it's, and that's what he's saying. And that's why, that's why I think Derek's always been a great leader, and that's why I will always say he's way more Matt Stafford than he is Kirk Cousins because we have never seen a Derek Carr team that was loaded. And this year we're finally – they're putting the pieces together to finally give a, the franchise quarterback what he needs to win. They are finally doing that. They, get, they brought in his guy, his, his, college, his best friend, his college teammate in Devontae Adams. Um, the running back room, I feel, is stacked. I was not high on Josh Jacobs. I'm still not sure. And it's not because of Josh Jacobs. It's because of the franchise. Um, I've been high on Zamir White. I wrote a great feature on him this past week. Not great because I wrote it, but great because this guy's backstory is fantastic. Um, so and, is Josh Jacobs, yeah, too. <laughs> and he's got, well, Zamir White, and I'll tell you about it um, in, in a little bit here, but um, Derek Carr's also got his leading receivers, for the leading targets for the last three years. Hunter Renfro last year, Darren Waller the previous two. And a lot of people are sort of sour, like, what's going on with Waller? Is he... Is he really injured? Is he holding out? Is he holding in? I've talked to him the last two home games at the Aces. He assures me that he's working through it. He told me Thursday that he will be back next week or he expects to be back next week. Carr talked about the relationship with Waller. If I'm honest, I think they always matter, you know, but there is definitely a comfortability um, in, in the chemistry, the timing. Throw it five yards more in front of Darren because he's so fast, you know, that kind of thing. There, there definitely is that. I never want to say that we have it because I think that there's stuff that him and I can always grow in, but 
I have thrown him, you know, two, three hundred balls in games and you know, thousands beyond that in practice. And so there, there is a workload there so that when he comes back out, it's normal. I love the idea of Derek Waller just capitalizing on the fact that they have Devontae Adams because now Vegas has that tight end wide receiver combo that the KC Chiefs have enjoyed for so long. So, and then plus two, you look at Hunter Renfro, he's the guy that can go out and pick up the five-yard pass, pick up that first down. Devontae Adams, he's not a burner, but he's still top three wide receiver in the league just with everything else he brings to the, to the position. And then you got Waller right there open in the middle all right. day long. And, and that comfortability, he talked about that chemistry, is something that he's developed with both Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Last year, I really felt that – you know, they brought the best out of each other, Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr, because they had no choice with everything that was going on with this team, with Waller being injured, and really not a big guy receiver to step up and sort of take the reins for him. Him and Hunter came together and really bonded. It was a, it was a great chemistry. So now you have a guy who, you know, the big question, can they pick up where they left off from college? No, but what they can pick up is the offseason workouts that they worked out for so many years together when they would talk about hey maybe one day we'll play together so the chemistry's always been there they know what each other is capable of they've been since since he got here he's they've been working out together it's not just well there were 12 15 18 days in the training camp whatever it is they've been working out together that timing is down and plus this is a, there is a reason why Devonte adams pushed to come here it wasn't the fact that yeah he has a great relationship with Derek Carr I'm sure that that played a big part in it but he also knows the guy is capable he also knows that he can put the ball right where he needs it and what no matter what route that Devontae Adams runs Derek Carr could get it to him right and, and the exciting thing for Devontae Adams will be being able to play inside Allegiant Stadium for the first time which he hasn't done Derek Carr talked about Allegiant Stadium what I love is that it's all black, you know. I think that's what our stadium should be. You know, everything is black everywhere. I took my wife and my kids on the tour, and just the, the tributes to the, the former players all across the walls, and that's the Raiders, right? Like, once Raider, always Raider. And, you know, Mr. Davis has always said, you know, has always taken care of, like, former players. And I think that's super cool, like, when they get to come back to a game, like, see Wood sees his face up there or, you know, different guys see their face and their number and their families someday can come to the stadium and, hey, man, that was my dad or that was, that's my grandpa, you know, or that kind of stuff. I think that's super cool. And that's what makes this organization special is it's always a family. You know, I still talk to, you know, George, you know, every day. You know, I see George. I, see, I talk to Charles all the time and countless other guys. Bill Romanowski just talked to him. Like, it's so cool. Just like it's almost like that college feel. The older players, you know, they're, they're still always a part of it. And I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but I know that here it's a special place. So I do like I do appreciate that about our stadium. That's one thing I like about what the Raiders are doing, what Mark Davis has done with this team, just basically just carrying on the legacy that his dad before him and just continuing on with it. There's all I love the the fraternity of Raiders yeah. and I love how the Raiders do talk about that. You don't hear a lot of people talk about the history and the tradition of being on a team like they do with the Raiders. It's there is something special about it. There is, and it, that's what's that's what's cool to see and be a part of as a media member. And I'll tell you what, there's a part of there's a tradition and something in sports that we don't see anymore. But we did see this past week, and we're going to touch on it in the next when we come back in the next segment for Willie's throw the oh. flag. It's Gooch and Willie at Ti Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. When we get back. Live on Throw the Flat. So what we'll be calling on is good old-fashioned blunt force trauma, horsepower, 
heavy-duty, cast-iron, pile-driving punches that will have to hurt so much they'll rattle his ancestors. It's Throw the Flag on ESPN Las Vegas. Every time you hit him with his shot, it's got to feel like he tried kissing the express train. Yeah, let's start building some hurting bombs. Uh, yeah, we're going to build some hurting bombs here. Throwing the flag, sounds of LL Cool J. You know, I've tried to pick out, as you know, I'm a hip-hop guy, but um, this past uh, Thursday was the 49th birthday of hip-hop. 1973, August 11th, Cool Herc making beats in his bedroom in the Bronx, bringing it to life. What would you say is your favorite era of hip-hop? Oh, man. Uh, probably I'm going to go back to, like, the early 80s into the mid-80s, so, like, the, you know, be, even before the 808 came in, but, like, you know. You're talking it, like Furious 5? Yeah, Grandmaster Flash, Furious 5, Run DMC, um, Sugar Hill Gang, of course, because that's the one that sucks us in on the West Coast because, you know, it all came out in the boogie down in the Bronx. So Sugar Hill Gang is what sort of entrapped all of us on the West Coast because at the time we were digging off of, like, R&B and funk and sort of that. But then, then when rap hit, um, and it was back then – I, I kind of like to use the word wholesome just because when gangster rap hit, it wasn't really that bad. It was it, it, it's what it just it, it rapidly progressed. Um, but before then, it was like it was fun, like, the you know, some EPMD or with Big Daddy Kane or, you know, even with third base, you know, the, the white boys from Brooklyn. Eric B and Rakim. Ra- Ra- listen, Rakim goes that he will always be in my top five. The, the young era, my son's era, who wants to throw the goat on all these other guys, you know, and I, I'm sure DeMond's going to give me, you know, the gas face, <laughs> which is what's third base called. But these guys are not goats. I mean, these are, you know, you have to get – and, I, you know, I think we're at the point in 2022 where when you're talking hip-hop – it's the LeBron Jordan. We have to start saying goats of era. Yes. And I would think you would say the same thing about rock. You're a rock aficionado. You you know, there's diff- now like the big popular thing on every other Instagram story. It's it's death metal or something like that. Right. Like how do you compare? You can't compare that to, to the Stones or to ACDC, you know, or, you know, REO Speedwagon. Like that was in your day, that was probably like a soft rock group. But I dug REO Speedwagon. Right, right. Yeah, throughout my day, my era of hip-hop was definitely the 90s. It was the Wu-Tang Clan. I mean, that was a – I remember being 14 years old and then Wu-Tang hit the scene. And those guys were superheroes to us. Yeah. They were all superheroes. Yeah. And then you get – and then you grow up and you start doing some research into them and you're like, the things that these guys overcame and what they ended up doing with their lives. It's a huge story with the Wu-Tang Clan. ODB, eh, you know, <laughs> there was some other stuff there, going on in this. And there was a different – there was a different <laughs> – you know, there was a different element um, when I started DJing. Yes. So when I started DJing, which we're going to talk about because we got a great guest coming up. So I don't want to spoil too much with the hip-hop because yeah. we're going to get into that with our 1030 guests. We, we're going to be throwing flags at yeah, each we're other about, th- hip-hop. Yeah, about hip-hop. About <laughs> hip-hop. Well, I don't think at each other, but I'm going to be throwing flags at, 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 at the younger era and who's the GOAT and who's not the GOAT. But I will tell you who I am throwing the flag at. Please. I'm throwing the flag at, at, at professional athletes. Did you see the story this past week? With the Little Leaguer who got hit in the head with the bell, got beamed at the Little League World Series. Uh, yes. So the 12-year-old Oklahoma Little Leaguer, he went viral, Isaiah Jarvis, because he gets beamed in the head. 
He get, obviously gets the pass to first base. He's yelling across to his coach, takes his helmet off. He's yelling across to his third base coach to get his attention that he wants to get off the base. And he takes it upon himself to walk to the mound and consoles Texas pitcher Caden Shelton because he was so shaken up with hitting him in the head. He walked over and put his arms around him and whispered in his ear to let him know that he was okay. Man, I'll tell you what, if adults and pro athletes, you know, yes, or just a second ago during the break, you were talking about the hit that Jalen Hurts, Hurts took in a preseason game. Got right? blasted, yeah. Got blasted. Know, it's football, it's a pro, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But you saw uh, Sirianni was not happy. Yeah, preseason. But, but this is a kid who got off the, off the first base, goes over, consoles him. He says, hey, you're doing great, just great. He had a microphone on. Fantastic moment. See, I want to throw the flag and be like, he knew he had a microphone on and he knew that we were going to be talking <laughs> about it. He's like, look, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get some Twitter followers. You know, and, uh, granted, you know, you were right, though. I do like watching the next generation, the youth. When they show kindness to one another, especially when this is their moment. Right. He could have just got beaten in the head, and that would have been – that would have right there got his name out there in right. the first place. you know. But instead, him taking it a step further, letting the other kid know, hey, you know, I was wearing a helmet, everything's fine. And just to kind of show that, yeah, these are – they might be competitors, but these are human beings. Right. These are human beings, and you know what? It carries over to pro athletes. And I'm not only throwing the flags at adult pro athletes, but I'm throwing it at the fans too. Right who attack these pro athletes on social media, and I'm talking about some really ugly stuff. You know, and I could, I could go on about things like where Jonathan Marchesaw from the Golden Knights had had to respond on social media because they were attacking him and his wife and his family because of something that happened on the ice. Yeah. Uh, you know, take a chill, people. What would happen if Jonathan Marchesaw was watching you at your day job and let's just say you filled out the wrong report? Or how about this? No, let, no let's take it a step further. What if you were at a re- what if Jonathan Marchesaw was at a restaurant and someone got the order wrong and he decided to take a picture, blast it, and call you out and call your husband out or wife out if you were a man or a woman server and decide to absolutely shred you and embarrass you and degrade you for doing your job wrong? Well, that's what social media does. It gives these people that have never gone out and achieved the chance to get under the skin of people that are putting it out there. Even whether you put out a song, look, there are thousands of bad songs. Right. But what joy do you get out of by a t- by finding the artist on Twitter and letting him know that you think it sucks? It's like, what jo- what kind of joy, what, what person are you right. to get that kind of joy? Like, I understand if, let's just say, somebody wants to hit us up on Twitter and then propose a question where we're like, oh, no, that's actually got me thinking. How would right. I get it? Oh, fine. You know what? You made you made a stop in the middle of a show and take pause. You won. But you putting out – you posting Venom, we're just going to go over that. We're just going to scroll past it and not even look past. And then and then it's going to be out there forever, like what kind – how venomous you are as a person. Social media has allowed – you know, there's a lot of, as they call them, Twitter tough guys – you know, uh, Twitter fingers, as Drake has said. You know, I, I have a lot. Of, you know what I find funny is Facebook is so intimate in terms of it's supposed to be friends and family, right? Because you have to approve one another. Yeah. I have. I, I get a, a kick out of the fact that I have people that are supposed to be quote unquote friends. The only time I ever hear from them when, it, as far as like on a post, 
is when they have something negative and snarky to say. Right. Right. They'll you know, you post something positive, you're you know, something good going on, but you can't they they won't comment on that or hit the like button, whatever. But when they want to really be critical and cynical, that's when you hear from them. Right. Right. That's their chance to shine. Right. So how about this one? I don't know if you saw this. But Major League Baseball investigating why the Pirates' Rodolfo Castro had a cell phone in his pocket during the game. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, yes, I did. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just, like, I understand. Okay, you re- we've seen this happen before in the NFL where a player will score a touchdown, and before the game they put the – Cell phone underneath the the goalpost pad, right. and then they you know, the and then they use it for right. the celebration. That's just for the celebration. Right. But this is the NFL we're talking about. If there is one sport where a player is like, ah, let me go catch check social media. It's baseball because, dude, they will be interviewing the uh, the, the, the not the coach, but uh, uh, the manager during a, an at bat. Like, while the game is going, they will put a microphone in the manager's face and ask him to give him a comment about what's going on in the game right during the game. Right. And it's like. So what happened was at the top of the fourth, Castro draws a walk, advances to third on a single by O'Neill Cruz. As he's sliding into third base, head first, his phone comes tumbling out of his back pocket. Uh. <laughs> So he's actually violating a Major League Baseball rule because it prohibits electronic devices on the field or in the dugout. So now they're looking into the incident, maybe not so much as why he had it on the field, but why was it in his back pocket and what were you doing with it in the dugout? I'm telling you, right now the accusations are running wild. Maybe maybe somebody was tweeting him or, or trying to text him when they saw the pitcher or when they saw the signal from the catcher to the pitcher. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Granted, that's me going way out, way out in left field. But again, how badly do you need to check your Tinder? You're on base. Wow. <laughs> I hope that when it came out and he went to pick it up, put it back, whatever the case, like it didn't accidentally swipe whatever way is the, right. the wrong way. I don't even know what the, those apps, but isn't, isn't there another one? Is it Bumblebee or Bumble? Bumble? There's, 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 there's. Tinder. I, I, I've never used the, the dating apps. It yeah. was always kind of scary to me. I've read too many stories about people ending up in uh, trash bins or something after using one of those Jesus. or getting rolled in the parking lot. But but again, it's like, uh, yeah, there's too many out there. And my point is, is like, why? Why have it on you at all? Yeah. Why have it on you at all in the game? You're just begging. You're just begging for criticism. I don't know. Maybe he. Maybe he was. Maybe you know. It'd be different if he had like the the takeover uh, thing where they. You know, sometimes they'll do like a hot mic for TV, but they'll do a takeover. He had MLB's takeover oh, okay. of the Graham, but that obviously wasn't during the, case. the game. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Gooch. Uh, just curious. Do you, when you retire from what you do, mm-hmm. will you ever say to yourself? If there's one thing I regret, it's not being able to be in the car while I'm on the radio at the same time, simultaneously, and just listen to myself. <laughs> Will I ever regret to not be able to hear myself live? Yeah. Because, you know, Antonio Brown, he said he doesn't regret a lot of things. doesn't regret derogatory mark toward, toward an owner. He doesn't regret any of his antics on this field, off the field, whatever. What he does regret is that he'll never be able to, to sort of step back and watch himself play football. Uh, 
isn't that what you've done <laughs> six days out of the week when you're not playing football? <laughs> live. He wants to watch him live. I don't know. That game film doesn't count. But being able to watch yeah. himself live. So he he's uh that yeah, he, he said that this week. I I you know I don't, is, I don't think he's going to get a chance to. I don't think it's the, I don't think it's more of a, a, a lesson because we've seen the, t- the the hits that Antonio Brown has taken. I don't necessarily know if it's a regret or a remember what's going on in the field, but Antonio Brown is one of those guys where it's just to me when he was playing, I thought he might have been the best wide receiver I've ever seen because he was doing stuff. But now it's so sad because we're only talking about him because of lines like this. Yeah, it's it's not good. So. Once again, Gooch and Willie, we're at Treasure Island. Hey, and two games, we got two NFL games that are already underway. The Kansas City Chiefs up 7-0 on the Bears, 4-12 left in the first, just a little under four minutes now. Carolina and Washington, Gooch's pick of the week. The Panthers are up 3-0 with four and a half left in the first quarter. But there are still six games on the card left. You can come down to the Treasure Island and play them. The Colts and the Bills kick off at 1 o'clock. Colts are one and a half, total 38 and a half. Seahawks at the Steelers, four o'clock. Steelers, two and a half, total 36 and a half. My pick of the week was to play that game over in the first half. Dolphins, minus one at the Buccaneers, total 32 and a half. No Tom Brady, he's away from the team. Saints at the Texans, it's a pick, 35 and a half is the total, five o'clock kick. Cowboys, my Cowboys at Denver. Denver minus three and a half, total 33 and a half at six. And the nightcap from SoFi, Rams at the Chargers. Chargers minus three, 31 and a half at seven o'clock. It's Gooch and Willie at the TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. When we come back to throw the flag, special guest, DJ Joe Green. If you don't know who he is, listeners, I bet you you will when we introduce him next on Throw the Flag. Lewis tried to come in. Vegas cuts it off. Marcia so for Carlson hits the crossbar. Oh, no. It's a goal. It went off the back bracing of the net. It is in for Carlson. And Vegas takes a 4-3 lead. Back to the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island with your hosts, Willie and Gooch. Oh, yeah. Sounds of Dan Duba, play-by-play guy, right there on the Golden Knights network best in the business it's gooch and willie i'm throw the flag at the ti golden circle sports book and bar you know who else is the best in the business please tell me here in las vegas the best he's emerged i remember the first year when they kind of tag team there was a pregame guy there was an in-game guy and he has grown to be the in-house arena dj best in the business raiders Aces, Golden Knights, our next guest, DJ Joe Green. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I love the introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's funny because at the beginning, at the very beginning, I remember when uh, Wags was still in town and you were getting your feet wet here just in terms of, like, the sports realm. But then I show up to, 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 uh, to cover the USA Basketball 3-on-3, three three, which has become very big, and it was the trials. Sabrina Ionescu was still in town, was still with Oregon. She was in town, and you were DJing out there. That's where we really kind of shared some stories, and we got to know one another, and I was telling you about my, yeah. my DJing days back in the day. For you, what's the ride been like from the first VJK, VGK season to where you're at now? 
Uh, insane. It, it's been uh, it's it's been all upward. It's a lot of there's been a lot of stress just trying to balance everything. I, I come from a background DJing clubs, bars, and those type of things, random events. So to step into this and go from VGK to VGK Raiders, Silver Knights, Nighthawks, Aces, USA Basketball, Major League Soccer. It's it's been insane. It's been a wild five years. What song could you do without the most? Enter Sandman by Metallica or Who Let the Dogs Out? Go. Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> there wasn't even a pause. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I, get, I, I still get requests for that song. Hey, are you going to throw on Who Let the Dogs Out tonight? Like, no, not, not if I can help it. <laughs> I mean, is, is Mark Davis asking? Then maybe. You know. Oh, listen. then yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Joe, when I was DJ, and I got to ask you because Thursday, this past Thursday, I don't know if you know this, was the birthday for hip hop, August 11th, 1973. Cool Herc. In the Bronx, creating beats, the birth I, of hip hop. Now, guys like Grandmaster Flash, Jam Master J, Jazzy Jeff, those sort of were the guys to emulate outside the local DJs. Like, like there were two DJs in Las Vegas that, that if you were aligned with them, they give you your start. DJ Rob, R O B, which he he took his name and he made it in sort of a uh, initials for Right on Beat, and DJ hey. Frankie. Who is who is actually credited with bringing hip hop to Las Vegas? Frank Annabelle, and I mean, talking old school clubs that they that they first started. Do you have an appreciation for the old school guys, or who have you sort of tailored your skills after? Uh, of course, always, always uh, appreciation for the older guys. I, I when I started out, I really just wanted to scratch, so I'd watch a lot of DJ Qbert videos. Okay. Uh, a lot of my idols were later on. Uh, I, I really wanted to be a music producer, so I would look up to like Dr. Dre or Just Blaze, Chad from the Neptunes, Timberland. They they all started off as DJs, and so I, I would look at what they were doing and how they used that to progress into their production. So I never made the leap into production, but I really appreciated how they would structure their sets around samples, or it would be more of a just a throwback feel tied into a current theme and those type of elements. What does a DJ have to have for you to respect them? Uh, to not look at the computer screen the entire time you're DJing. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, cause nowadays it seems like anybody could do it, but when I see somebody actually match up the beats with wax, yep. that is a skill that is constantly overlooked. Yeah. The evolution of that is actually DJs who come in with USBs. They just put a USB stick in and they'll pick their song. There's no staring at the screen to beat match. It's all audio. So. Yep. That you, gets my respect a lot. You and I have had this conversation, Joe, that I, and I don't disrespect anybody in your era, but I have said this, and I say it in a snarky way, but I'll be like, yeah, yeah, DJs these days with their, with their computer, their, their cute little computer and their library of music. When <laughs> Here I was pulling up to an event, pulling up to a gig, pulling up to a video poker bar, or once I got my first uh, – what is now called a residency, but the the club I did, my first club was Fuddy Duddies on Industrial, is pulling up with a dolly, four or five crates of records, a coffin, the wax, the the speakers for mobile gigs. Um, So, yes, I I appreciate the fact that you said that in terms of guys that can mix wax vinyl. Definitely. Especially if they're not spinning. I mean, if they're not scratching, all you're doing is hitting the space bar and pumping your fist. Like, I could do that, Steve Aoki. <laughs> a lot of times, it's, it's guys, it's a, it's a feature called auto-sync. will just sync your records for you. But it's never as easy, well, except for those times. It's never easy just pressing a button. Like, you still have to have an ear for what's being played. 
but it's definitely been watered down a lot. I, I come from the same background of bringing in my records and speakers and having buddies with my milk cartons and all that, so yes. I kind of give a side-eye to people who just come and hit sync. I'm yeah. like, come on, come on, man. you didn't I had, earn this. I had, I had milk cartons. I had post office, plastic post office bulk mail bins, and I had the wooden <laughs> crates. Um, so let let me ask you this before we talk about that magical 2017-18 Stanley Cup campaign. Let's talk. I want to ask you the difference between those days of bringing your records to a wedding or a gig, a holiday party, to now becoming a DJ inside of a stadium with 18,500, 63,000, you know, 8,000 for an Aces game, screaming fans. I would imagine it's a little more tedious because you're having to pay attention to situational things. Absolutely. It, there's a lot, a lot of different elements to it. You want to ride the energy constantly, but let's say it's a game where you're just, your team's getting hammered. Like, not everyone's going to have a great game, and it's just trying to keep the audience engaged while it's not really going great, which is really, really hard to do. So um, you're, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, like, when you're playing music, though, have they ever flashed the camera on an audience member? What's the best memory you have of an audience member not knowing that they're on camera, but they're also on the big screen? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. Off the top of my head, it's, it's hard to say. We do oblivious cams sometimes where it's just someone mildly having an argument with their wife. That was a good one. <laughs> and they're, uh, they're unaware of, hey, we're all watching you guys have a meltdown right now. <laughs> so let's go back to the inaugural campaign with the Golden Knights. National media filming the energy in the arena, a ride to the Stanley Cup final. You and Wags helped create that, and when they came, you know, with the production crew and the the ice, the the, the pregame show. But part of that was, you know, it's grown into this show where now you have the KNIGHT nightclub with DJ Joe Green going into the third period. You've helped create that energy. Have you embraced that? I have, but it's not outward if that makes sense like in my head i'm like this is amazing like they enjoy what i'm doing enough to where i have my own portion of the show it's just me like that's it's the most flattering thing ever uh i, I can't even describe it like the, the energy around that and then people actually cheer when it's time for nightclub is it's like it's insane i i, I love it coming from that where i'm just like i'm doing the walk-in warm-up random things in game and tv timeouts to being like i'm doing the whole game and i have my own segment is it's it's incredible I, I appreciate it every single game i don't really speak on it a lot i'm really humble and modest uh, to a fault but in my head i'm like let's go <laughs> has there any has there ever been a time where management may have come up to you and said yeah you know what you played that one song there was a little too much twerking going on from the audience can you re- <laughs> can you pull back on that Never, but I've been waiting on it. <laughs> I like know the push. day is coming. You know, I'm glad that I could provide you with some kind of inspiration. A new goal is what I'm saying, you know. <laughs> so here's one, the thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, uh, one time I did get I did get in trouble. Uh, oh, boy. It was the, let's see, the 2020 season. Um, I don't, I'm not even sure if we had fans in, back in yet, but there was a fight. It was around Valentine's Day, and it was our reverse retro game. And so the fight started, and I played, what is love, baby, don't hurt me. But it was hilarious. It went over really well. The next day, I get an email, and they're like, hey, do not play that ever again. From the top of the NHL, it looked bad on TV because during the baby, don't hurt me part, there was another guy getting punched in his face. (laughs) 
<laughs> so and he's like winching, so, so, it, so it didn't so, look good. So basically, it was fitting, it was enticing, it was perfect. But for them, they probably looked at it like it was egging it on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so let me ask be you this because I think myself as a DJ, right, a past DJ from from a club setting to conventions to like I said, you know, going in, Gooch, you can appreciate this, and Joe, you. It doesn't matter about the arena itself and how many fans. It's the energy and the vibe. Where do you have the most fun? Golden Knights, Raiders, or Aces? Oh, man, don't do that. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Well, no, because it has nothing to do with the team. It's got to do with the energy from the crowd. Like, where oh. do you – because you – because – there's 63,000 people in a Raiders game, but that doesn't mean that the energy is different in a DJ booth. Right, right. Uh, I would have to say Golden Knights. The energy in there is just, it's unmatched. It, it, even when we're down, it's still insane in there. Uh, Music-wise, where I have the most fun is the Aces, but crowd-wise, yes. for sure, the Golden Knights. I, and, and I was I, that that's what I was wondering, because the aces seems like, you know, and I always I know that you have fun for, with some of us like myself, Jesse Granger, some of the guys that will tweet to you when you play something that only like there's a like how many times have I tweeted to you? My guy, Joe Green, playing <laughs> Eddie Kendrick's Keep on Trucking like nobody knows. They know the song, but if you ask them, they're not going to know what that is. Like like there's songs that you'll throw out. I can't remember. I think you've played. Haven't you played Tom Tom Club Genius of Love somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so there are time. things. Those are the great ones because they'll you'll hear people like the younger era be like, oh yeah, no, that's a sample from. No, 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 no. That's where they got the sample from. Right. right. <laughs> so let, let's let me ask you this: What national gigs have you gotten because of the local gig? Like, how have the local gigs helped you land national? What what has been some of the ones you've been most proud of? Uh, was the Liga MX. Versus uh, Chelsea, I believe, uh, soccer games uh, at Allegiant Stadium. Those have been because it's it's at the state. It's like forty eight to sixty thousand people for soccer, and I got that on the strength of oh, this is our Raiders guy. He does the Golden Knights. Like, oh my God, really? Let's get him in there. Those have been the ones I've been the most proud of that are outside of what I'm I'm usually doing. What song would you play there that you wouldn't be playing at a Raiders game? Uh, Peppa. Oh no, no, I would play that there. Uh. I would imagine the ole, 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 maybe just a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely that or any of the uh, the Chelsea tracks, um, the very England-themed, <laughs> off the top of my head, I can't remember the names, but they're very mellow and very tailored to that specific demographic. I would never play that anywhere else. You know, it's funny. You said England-themed, and I knew exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, where's my crumpet? So, Joe, you're on the wheels tomorrow, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you already have your playlist? Or, like, do you still get excited? Like, when I would do play weddings, right, and I'd have the instruction sheet, like, the night before or that day or i get there, depending on what time the, the, the party or the wedding was. Like, with that, with crates, like, I'm setting up in a side milk crate. I'm already pulling and setting up in beat-per-minute order because we'd have the labels on the upper right corner of the – the, uh, the record, right? We have the beats per minute. Do you already have your playlist? Are you setting things up? Oh, yeah. I, I, spend, I, I feel like I spend more time at home setting things up than I do actually being at the game playing. Like, I'll get the script and I see what, what we're, uh, we're going to use, what's coming up, what we're going to do uh, or like theme-wise or what kind of contest. And so I'll build it around that. And then for random times, like TV timeout or, or like after the timeout or coach's timeout or whatever i have 
kind of a list where I'll, I'm like, I want to go this direction. I may not play all of those or, or any of them, but I have little mixes built where I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump into this today. I'm going to jump into that. So, yeah, it's a, I have a ton of preparation. And you have a you have a let everyone know where they can find you because you have a channel on on uh, like a social media platform right where they can download some of your mixes or your playlists. Oh yeah, yeah, everywhere. All my social media is DJ Joe Green on uh, SoundCloud. If you want to hear my mixes or Mixcloud, and then of course regular social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all that is all DJ Joe Green. Yeah, and speaking of which, by the way, I was looking for you to tag you in today's show thing, and I realized that I'm sitting here looking up the Verde Green Twitter handle. Which is which I keep, couldn't find, and then I found DJ Joe. I was like, "Wait, it says it's following me, but I'm not following him." What the heck? We followed each other. Did you change your username, or is it that a new account? No, no, it's been the same one. I haven't changed anything in years. Well, there's we no way. I, I know I was following you, so something must have happened. But um, anyway, follow him at at DJ Joe Green. Go find him on your playlist, and you know what? It's not always a, a guarantee. But if you're at a game, if you're at the Aces, if you're at the Raiders, if you're at the Golden Knights, if you tweet to him a request and he has time or he has a way it'll fit into, he will get it on for you. Make sure you check him out on all the media platforms. Joe, that was a great spot. I appreciate you coming on. You know, we might have to get one of his playlists, Gooch, and and use it in some rejoins or something and give him a shout-out. Everything except for who let the dogs out. Everyone except (laughs) who let the dogs out for sure, uh, who let the DJs out. But... um, (laughs) And uh, you know what? I'm, I, I got to talk. I got to talk to the to to the big mentor, Steve Cofield, and see if we can see if we can't get him on the main afternoon drive too. Because great spot, Joe. Really appreciate you joining us. I'm looking forward to seeing you out there tomorrow. I won't see you, but I will see you if you know what I mean. And I'll be tweeting to you, and I'll be listening for Eddie Kendricks, DJ Joe Green. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, right on, Joe. There you go. Your number one in-house, in-arena DJ in Las Vegas, Joe Green. Raiders, Aces, Golden Knights. Tomorrow he'll be out there. Vikings, Raiders. You got Gooch and Willie. We're going to close things up from the TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar when we come back. Willie Ramirez with the Associated Press, Robin. You're obviously cleared, so when you get out there in the adrenaline, you're going to feel good. But after the game and tomorrow, are there different protocols now to make sure that you try to take care of different uh, sort of rehab or next day recovery, active release? What is there anything specific that you have to do from this point forward to make sure that you stay fresh? It's throw the flag. Better question for Frank Saravelli, my doctor. That is the sounds of Robin Leonard, a snarky Robin Leonard, back on March 2nd, answering my question, which was a legitimate one, but he decided to take it a different route. It is Willie Ramirez and Gooch back to wrap things up with throw the flag at the T.I. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Okay, can we talk? Um, Plenty of time to get out here and get some action down, eat some good food. Got the NFL preseason week number one, but... Again, the sounds of Robin Leonard back in March 2nd. We were asking a couple of legitimate questions, and both times to to myself and another reporter decided to reference a national reporter who had put it out there that Robin Leonard was going to have to have some surgery, that he had some injuries. He indicated that he didn't. Well, guess what? Robin Leonard has had shoulder surgery, and now he's going to miss the entire season due to hip surgery. 
So whether or not Frank Saravelli got it right or wrong with the specifics, which one of them he did, another one he speculated a kneecap, and all he said was, I'm hearing. it was a, That's the problem when you're so vague, lower body, upper body, but the bottom line is Robin Leonard will now have his third surgery in one year to an aging body, and I don't say that snippety and mean because I hope that he can play again because I feel that he can be an asset to somebody, whoever it may be, Golden Knights or not, but he's out for the season. There's always been questions concerning him since he's come to the team. I mean, there's always been something. Obviously, there was the, the mental health issue, and then now there's this. You would just hope that that position just gets taken care of. I mean, what are the Knights going to be able to do? Well, Laurent, Laurent Brassois, who is a veteran backup, he also had offseason uh medical procedure i believe on his hip so there's no telling when he'd be available if not logan thompson is a viable option because he makes less than a million dollars a year okay three years ago four years four seasons ago 18 19 i believe 1920 maybe jordan binnington from the st louis blues was a rookie blues were at the bottom of the nhl standings he had like a couple of starts to his name Came in and led the charge in net with a talented core in front of him. And they won the Stanley Cup. Logan Thompson was thrust in the fire last year with the situation brewing with Leonard. Peter DeBoer, the coach at the time, saw some uncomfortability. He started using Logan Thompson more. He didn't win everything. And he had, he was, I think he was 10-5-2. But the fact of the matter is, or 10-5-3 maybe, the fact of the matter is he, he played well even in the losses. Like three of the losses of those were shootout losses. So this and is don't forget guy- about the trade that happened. It's like all of a sudden they, were, they, threw, they threw an Eichel in there. It's like they're trying to get him you know, acclimated to the team. It's like there right. was a lot going on There was a lot year. going on, and there was a, there was a banged-up squad that was missing a good portion of its offense. So – I think with repetition and the playing time that Logan Thompson is a viable option, and with that money that you have left over or whatever is in the coffers with Leonard on long-term reserve, you go find yourself some help with your center depth or your your forward depth for that third and fourth line in the event something happens because we saw what happened last season with some of the top forwards going down. Hopefully, we still don't know what's going on with Mark Stone. I hope he's okay. No, you never want a guy like that, a talent like that. He's had back surgery. It's similar to sort of like a meniscus surgery, which I had uh, in April, right? You're, you're taking a little bit something away that's adding cushion between bones and so between the vertebrae. So he had, you know, a, something, a little snip, but it's in the back. We don't know how guaranteed that is. Well, just on every team in every sport, one position does not define the whole team. And if the, if the, the Golden Knights can find a way to build that offense up, which I do believe they can, it, the trade was very controversial, but when you saw Eichel with the puck, it's like he was doing things that I did not see any Golden Knights player able to do. The way he handled it, how soft he was with the stick. Right. And, I'm not, and I'm not what you would call a hockey expert, but even from my eyes, you could tell that he was a step above the rest. And the best part about the Vegas, Knights, Vegas Golden Knights is they will spend the money, yeah. and they will make the moves. Well, to they, make sure that they could – I mean, I understand that, yeah, there is still salary cap issues, but they will do whatever they can to get themselves back on track. Right, and that's kind of been the problem is that that's what they've done with the shiny new toys. But, um, yeah, I, you know, 
I, and to, to your point about Eichel, remember, last year was the first time he ever finished with more goals than he did assists. And if he had a full 82-game season, he would have had career numbers in both. So, you know, I think Eichel will be fine. I think the team will be fine. And I think that they'll be fine with Logan Thompson. It's a matter of, you know, hey, prayers up to Robin Leonard, whatever is going on, and first and foremost with his mental health, because who knows what this is doing to him mentally. You know, so we'll see. Uh, a hip training injury camp. is not something easy you could come back from. Training camp uh, in another month tomorrow. Vikings at the Raiders, Seattle Storm, Sue Bird, final regular season game at the Aces. Thanks to Dave Campbell, AP writer out of Minnesota. Thanks to DJ Joe, Joe Green for joining us. Jed's in the house. Damon in the studio. Make sure to check out the fight game. Gooch and Willie back with you next week. Throw the flag. T.I. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Thanks for listening.